0: All right, yes, I am preaching today. You're welcome, it's going to be great. I don't know what Garrett was talking about. This is the climax of today. No, No, Garrett said it right. Um, I've just got a little bit to add to all the the good stuff we've already done. So I um, am going to be continuing in the series we've been going the last few weeks, calling it the Practicals Series. Today, my topic is to talk about the practicals of work. Super exciting stuff, whoo, yes, um, this will keep going for uh, a few weeks really, and I guess I'll say right at the top, you know, scripturally work and rest are, are very connected, I'm saying nothing about rest today, Mandy's gonna preach on that in a, in a few weeks, but today it, I'm all work, 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 so just keep that in mind as we go, but yeah, it'll be good, okay, so Work is a big deal. I think we all know that, but I just want to sit in a minute and and remind ourselves about it. It becomes a very central part of most of our lives. You know, you Google just the amount of hours the average person will spend at work over the decades of of the average lifetime. And maybe you just get really depressed. Like, uh, what? Why? What are we doing here? Um, Mark... I'm going to change your mind today. Where are you at? No. So, yeah, it's a big part of the the time we spend, right? Most of our waking hours for most of the days every week for for just decades, potentially. Like, it's a big deal. It carves out a significantly big portion of our life. And so we need to deal with this in a way that honors Jesus and fits within his mission and his values and, and his kingdom. There's always so many questions about work. You know, as I've, you know, grown up as a minister, I guess, just dealing with people my age or or coming out of college, just constant questions and anxiety and worry about, you know, what work does God like best? What work should I choose if I even have much of a choice? You know, why can't I get this job I want? Why is my career fill in the blank? Um, do I have to work? You know, can we skip this all together? On and on. You know, it's, it's a big deal. It's also super common. I'll sit down with people just in the, the standard way. We're doing one-on-ones and catching up, and it's like, how was your week? And it's um, maybe not surprising. that It's just so often the response is, well, work was pretty good. Or my boss is terrible and I have a bad week. And it's like the impact from, from that job or that work is kind of permeating your overall sense of, of how you're doing, how you're feeling at that given time. And so it's a big deal, and, and we need to address it appropriately. So I want to dive into this. I want to preface a couple things. I told you I'm not going to be talking about rest today. But they're connected. Um, And I guess the only other preface, when I say work, I don't just mean something you get paid for. And and neither does Scripture when we're talking about work today. And so if you heard my whole preamble and you're like, I don't have a day job, and you just phone and nap time, stop. (laughs) This is for you too. Um, You know, certainly that normal day job and wages and salaries and the whole deal any self-employment, any side hustles, stay-at-home moms, you know, retired people, there's work to do. Ministers, pastors, it's it's all the same. You're a student, at school, homework. Like when I say work today, I mean where you put your efforts, where you strive, where you work to accomplish something. That's the work. that that we have in mind today. That's the work that the Bible often talks about. So, like the the practical series, I want to take maybe just a little tour through sort of the biblical foundation of work, but focus most of the time on sort of practical applications at the back end. And I guess so to start, I just want to take a quick trip through like the entire story of the Bible and see uh, what it says about work. (laughs) Now, um... I do want to talk briefly about creation, about the fall, and about God's redemptive plan. And, and work is in all of that. And it speaks to it and redefines it and reframes what work is. And it is especially different from what our culture has told you up to this point. So, start at the beginning. Um, all the way back to the first pages of the Bible. Who's the first worker in the Bible? Yay, Jesus, God. (laughs) Yes, on day seven of creation, you know, it says God finished his work of creation, and then he rested from his work. That's the first instance of the word work in the Bible, and it is God's, and it's what he was doing in creation. And so he is certainly the first worker, and I think it is important to ask ourselves, what did his work look like? What did it do? Uh, Well, it did this. It brought order to chaos. It made good things and beautiful things. And he did it for the benefit of others. And that is the work that the Bible introduces for us. You know, he takes what is formless and empty, he forms it and fills it. And so we could, you know, study the whole deal. We won't here. But yeah, that's that first line In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Formless and empty. He dives into those six days of creation, and he forms it and fills it. And so this bringing order to chaos, like this is, this is a big deal. Um, it's a big part of how God, you know, thinks about work and how he engages in work. And so... Um, it's something we, c- we should consider also. But you look at those days, you know, and it's a beautiful chiastic Hebrew poem. But the first three days he's separating, he's ordering. The, the four, five, six days he's filling with creatures, those spaces that he ordered. So you get day one, he separates light from dark. Day two, he separates waters below, waters above, and you get the sky. Day three, he separates dry land from water. And then, yeah, it wraps on itself. And so day four corresponds to day one. He fills the light and dark space with the, the creatures of that space, the sun, moon, and stars. Uh, day two and five, the sky and the waters, that's when he creates the fish and the birds of the air. He fills that space. Three and six, that's the land, all those creatures, and, and us, the dirt bags that we are. So it's not just the, the ordering and... And bringing that chaos into something hospitable and that can be filled and something that can be fruitful and just packed with potential. But he he brings beauty, you know, over and over in that narrative. It, he saw that it was good and it was good and good and very good. And so he, you take just one look outside, Danny talking about, you know, the sunset or sunrise, every prayer up here. Like, you know God is into to beautiful things. Like he, We are aesthetic beings, even when we don't want to, just always on the lookout for beauty and what's attractive. And that, that's in us. It's part of how he's made us, and it's part of how he does his work. So he, he brings good into what he orders. And then the, the last piece of this I want to point out is he does it for the benefit of us. For the benefit of others, you know, he blesses us to be fruitful and multiply. You know, he tells us to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule over the creation. And um, he just sets humanity up in this perfect garden space. Um, And so keep this in mind. He brings order, he brings beauty, and he does it for the benefit of others. How does your job do the same? And don't scoff at me. You may be surprised how much it can tap into that. So that's God's work. What, about, what do we see about our work? You know, I, I want to say that our work should seek to imitate His, but the humans have work to do immediately on page one as well, right? He, um, God from the beginning wanted to partner with us, and as soon as we are created, He hands over some of his. His work to be done that he wants to do through us, and so that that filling, that subduing, that ruling over creation in in chapter two and in, in the second creative narrative, we have uh, Adam put in the garden for a purpose to work it and care for it, and so pre-fall, perfect state creation, we have work to do. That's important. Many of us, you know, at least the way we our attitudes are towards work, we. Work is surely the result of sin. When, when we get back out to the new creation and perfection, work will be done. Like, this is, this is only the devil's work, that I have to do anything um, on a full-time basis. That's wrong. Like, that is not what the Bible shows us. Work is there from the very beginning, and it partners with God to help him, with him, accomplish what God is after with this creation order, beauty, for the benefit of others. So, that's awesome, and that's important. We need to keep it in mind. Unfortunately, it didn't last super long. Chapter 3, you get the fall. You get the serpent, we get sin entering the world, massive impacts in every category of our life, certainly for work as well. Uh, Specifically, and, and some of the curses, what God told Adam After this event, in chapter 3, he said, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, painful work, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so, sin impacts our work. You've got to bring that into the conversation and specifically called out. You know, the work is uh, extremely agricultural, so these, the, the language is, is that way here, but this is for all of our efforts. You know it, and I want you not to be surprised by it. Sin is a part of work now. What beforehand would have been expected to flourish and reach its fullest potential now struggles under the weight of sin. And sometimes we encounter sin in real like, clear, distinct ways at work. You know, Sometimes work is completely unfair. You, you may think you've never been paid what you deserve. Uh, you have a terrible boss. Maybe you have no choices or options at all. You just have what, what you have. That's most of the world still. But don't be surprised that sin is influencing your work. But also, don't be discouraged. You can't leave it there. Because just in the same breath that this curse on on our work comes in, God has already set in place his redemption plan to bring everything back to uh, the state that he wants it to be in. And that's when he, you know, was cursing the the snake. And he, he says, I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He, the woman's offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And this is just, this is Messianic. This is Jesus from the beginning. Right in Genesis 3, the rest of the Hebrew Bible is, is after this. Who is the snake crusher? When will he come? Over and over. Is it Abraham? Yeah. Is it Joseph? Is it Moses? Is it, you know, on and on. And, and people get close and we fail and over and over we see the need of our Savior and the need for this snake crusher. But, so he he's on his way throughout the whole story. He, he came. We know him. He's Jesus. He has enacted his redemptive work at the cross even more so. And so while work is impacted by sin, we as images in the temple of the Holy Spirit can bring new creation to our work. And we can enact God's redemptive plan in our spaces Uh, with his aid as we go and so that's why it's so important to have in mind the beginning that work is good and and God wanted to partner with us in the beginning and and in the end it, it seems the same that's where we're headed and so all of that I think is is crucial because we have for too long and too many of us separated work out from our spirituality I'm going to talk more about that today, but we, we, just, we just cut it off. We just, some sort of compartmentalization, is that a word? We, uh, you know it, we do it, and, uh, and we've got a Sunday morning, you know, attitude and, and what we're after, and, and we get to work, and whether it's a coworker or a boss or the tasks or whatever it is, and we, we shut down, and, and we're not acting as disciples, um, Maybe not to like a specific, sinful, like obvious point, but just to a point that you think wrong about it. You think it's wasted time. You think God doesn't care about it, that He's not into it, and that there might be something better you could be spending your time with. And those are lies. Uh, so let's look at a few, really just a couple scriptures that are profound and, and reframe how we think about work. So, Colossians 3. Colossians 3:23. It's so quotable. We we love this verse. We say it all the time, and for that reason, I, it's just easy to fly over, and we sort of miss the full gravity of what's happening here. Paul is in the midst, like he does in many of his epistles, of just you know flattening out the Greco-Roman household structure, and, and neither slave nor free, you know, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. Like he's bringing just incredible a sameness under Christ in a way that was really countercultural. And this is right in the middle of one of those. And he says in 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Like just we got to let this sink in. It too easily sort of flows off our back. This is a massive reframing of our work in a completely open statement. Whatever you do, like that, that means whatever you do. It doesn't mean some certain category of work or some certain profession that you have in mind is better than another profession. Whatever you do, you need to work at it with all your heart. This is all-encompassing. You need to do this as if you're working for the Lord, not human masters. You are working for Jesus. Like this, that's one of those Sunday school answers. We're working for Jesus now. But it's true. Okay, it's true. We, um, if you have a typical job, okay, you have a boss, you get a paycheck, You don't work for your boss. You don't work for that company. If you are going to do work in the Lord as a disciple of Christ, you work for Jesus in whatever setting you find yourself. And that that reframes everything. What you work for changes. Okay? We all need sustenance. We need a paycheck of some kind. We're going to help each other. We're going to do whatever. Money. We need it. Like, that, that's part of working. That, that's part of the, the system we got going here. But it is not like the end, as we so often make it. Um, what you work for is this inheritance from the Lord. You do all this since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This inheritance, like you, you just kind of got to read the whole Bible. Paul talks about it a lot. This is, this is new creation. This is redemption. This is salvation. This inheritance is you are a child of God, and, and you get everything from Him. And, and you have this beautiful new creation. No more pain, no more death, no more crying, no more mourning. But the whole thing, that, that's your inheritance in Christ. And this is what you work for. And so I have a, a day job. You know, I, I get a paycheck. I have a boss. Um, it's easy to be caught up in all of that. But I work for Jesus, and I have a reward. It's, it's what is my future inheritance in Christ. And if I'll internalize that and work from that, those motivations change everything. So Christ has changed who you work for, and what you work for. And you you need to take that to heart. We'll look at one more verse and then get practical. 1 Corinthians 15. It's a very long chapter. I'm going to pick it up in like verse 54. This is Paul's like just awesome essay on the resurrection. And, And Christ's resurrection, our future resurrection. There was some people, opponents of his, that were like, this Jesus thing is cool, but clearly he didn't rise from the dead. Like, that's impossible, Paul. Uh, Paul had words for them like this is where we get the line if if Jesus hasn't been raised like your faith is futile if there's no resurrection we should be pitied above all and so it's just this huge thing the resurrection is central Jesus is alive and we will be too in the end and so the way he closes this is just it's so fascinating but So he's talking about when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable. This is verse 54. The mortal with immortality. The saying that's written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And we get these cool Easter quotes. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like just massive conclusion. Like it doesn't get better than that. That is our hope in in Christ. But this is how he ends it. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, because of all that, because of that resurrection, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That is huge. And again, some of you hear that, and I know you are equating work in the Lord with professional minister. missionary that's not true that's not what paul is saying that colossians 3 that that opens it up whatever you do any effort of yours purpose for for work in the lord is your work in the lord like this is it reframes how you make your little hierarchy of professions in your mind puts everything on the same playing field And it shows that your work here, your efforts here are not in vain. Somehow they persist into the new creation. Somehow they impact what is coming. You know, Revelation 21, you get the new Jerusalem coming down, heaven and earth meeting again. That's like this big picture of of the end and and what what we're heading towards. And it's a city. And, and these kings are still bringing to the throne their splendor, their glory and honor to present to God. And it's just, there is no picture in the Bible that's us sitting on a cloud doing nothing, right? Like our work will last. Somehow it is not in vain. Somehow it impacts the new creation to come. And those truths should change everything you think about work and the, the motivation for why you do what you do so let's dive into some practicals god dignifies all work done in the lord <laughs> right too often scholars will just call this a false hierarchy of professions so think i got people on the stage I, i've got an uber driver i've got a missionary i've got a banker i've got a construction worker i've got a pastor rank rank the professions which is which is the best profession. And, and yeah, we've been taught that that missionary, that pastor, they're doing the work of the Lord. The other is like, yeah, cool, do that, send us your money. But we elevate the, the Christian professionals that is absent from Scripture and goes against what is here. There is no strict hierarchy of professions that God says is better than the other. God dignifies any and all work done in his name and in the Lord. You know, pastors love talking about a janitor or something. Um, It's true. Like, what profession more clearly brings order and beauty for the benefit of others? Like, you just, you got to deal with your baggage here and see what God is after in your life. You know, as a pastor, I know that when I call people to like volunteer with us, lead small groups, lead, do one-on-one studies, like do, do the work of the Lord in real practical ministry ways, that we can unintentionally make you feel guilty about how you spend the rest of your time. And that's a problem in, in our church today. Not just ours. We're still better than everyone else. but I've, That's a terrible joke. We are screwed up like everyone else. Um, but it's, it's too common in American Christianity, and, and we've got to stop it. So we're still going to call you to all this, but it fits within the whole picture that is your life. And it gets into a specific calling. I'll talk about it later. We all have a common calling. We know everything we do. Yeah, we want to tap into this, you know, order beauty for the benefit of others. We want to do it in a way that helps make and mature disciples to the glory of God. That's for every disciple. The specific callings the Spirit lays on you will certainly look different. He puts parts in the bodies as he sees fit, and they are different on purpose. We, We cannot all be the same. That wouldn't work. The whole body imagery that Paul goes to many times in his letters requires us to do different things. But... There is no profession that is inherently more dignified than others. Another practical, just on the side, there is certainly sinful work. There are clearly sinful professions, often exploiting humanity, degrading humans, criminal whatever. Those can become clear. If you're unsure, like, let's talk about it. Um, There's some gray area. There's (laughs) political-minded stuff that just gets in the twist of all this that would say, "I I work for a big bank. I must be sinful. We can talk about that later. Um, it's, uh, it's not the case. Go read Daniel and watch how he worked for Babylon's good, but it's, it's a even playing field and God wants to dignify your work. He wants you to do it in his name and for his creation. So more practicals. I think Christians should be the model employees wherever you are or the model boss or model, you know. Etsy shop, whatever you're doing, you should be the, the model of integrity and hard work and character, and because you are working for Jesus, your motivation is eternal. Your reward will last forever. There's no room for laziness here. Another practical, the scripture speaks against idleness and laziness often. Go read 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. There was apparently a group of Christians, maybe for good ideas, thought Jesus was coming back right around the corner, and apparently they just stopped working. Then Paul had harsh things to say to them. Um, he wants us to work. He wants us to support as many people as we can. But we should be the model employee. We're not moved by the things of the world. We are moved by the Spirit. And I think it's important, I don't mean Christians should be, like, the best in everything. That often gets tagged there, or, like, number one in, on your team. Or that, that's cool, but, like, we just don't deserve to be the best at everything, and we may not be. Um, many of us do have choices about jobs or careers, and, and we're sort of paralyzed by the endless things, and we beg God for clarity. Like, a whole lot of people have none of that. Um, so you don't have to be the most skillful at something, but you should work your hardest. You should do it with integrity and effort and in the name of Jesus, ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you why you do it that way. Work is not about the money. This should be obvious, but like we all need to hear this over and over and over again because it is all too easy to, to try to serve both God and money in our culture today and i talked to so many of you focused grads and and just young professionals and the salary and the offer and like it just it's so hard for that not to dominate every decision we make about work and where you want to take a job or what you're shooting for or what career you're after far too often money the god money is driving that when you shouldn't let that happen Money is, is neutral, right? There is really good things that can be done with money. And if you're blessed with it, like, do those good things. Um, the, the love of money, chasing riches, is what gets very dangerous. Go read the Timothy letters. Paul says people ruin their faith chasing money and lose out on God. Don't let that be you. We don't work for money. We work for Jesus, and we make decisions in a different way. And there are things about any specific day job that are certainly more important than how much they're going to pay you. So do that with the guidance of community around you, with the Spirit's influence, and don't let money drive you. The ends never justify the means. This is potentially less common, but there's some professions that can really get screwy with this in our lives. And if you're there, like you just have to know the ends never justify the means. There is no reason to do anything outside of the way Jesus would do it. And if you have uh, a boss or a company who's leading you down a different path, like that could be a, a sign that that's not good. And so we work the way Jesus exemplified. We, we do our work life the way Jesus did his work life. And um, you can't start justifying sin for some ultimate good at the end. That's a lie. That's not how Jesus does it. Um, more practicals. Look how good I'm doing. Practical, 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 practical. <laughs> the, uh, the American dream of free time or even of re- of retiring, like that's not the deal. That's not biblical. Um, God is still working today. Jesus is active. Um, Jesus left an example of significant effort and devotion, resolute purpose that pushed him into just the worst kind of suffering for a, for a reason. Um, it's not bad, right? but the the culture like the waves of our culture are so strong and they just pull us so easily if if you're not purposely fighting against it don't hear me say you're not allowed to retire Um, but that cannot be your driving motivation if it is you've missed it like if you're able to carve away Time separate from some traditional day job and, and purposely point it to, to something we would call ministry, like cool. Praise God. Like use that. But it's not about which is better or which God prefers. That's a matter of of calling again. And if you've, got, you've got to deal with that and with his spirit and, and talk to the body. Like we can speak into each other's lives there to help direct that. But Yeah, everything in the media, everything, every little article you'd read about a career or this or that, it's just constant. We've got to hoard our money so that we can create some sort of space where I don't have to do anything. That is not Jesus. Maybe just a couple more. Um, God may have a purpose for you in a difficult situation. So um you know your work in this certain season may be almost solely for the purpose of shaping your character like maybe you need to grow maybe you're not ready for a a fun easygoing enjoyable job and you need to learn how to deal with some difficulty we are so good at running from pain and avoiding suffering Work is just one of the areas that, that we can kind of sneak into this. And so you just can't automatically assume if you're in a difficult situation at work that you should only look to get out of it right away. You need to ask God. You need to talk through it with one another. We need, we need to think. Maybe you're like the Spirit's plan for changing things there. Like maybe... There's specific work for you to do to speak into a a difficult and dark situation. Um, Maybe this is your chance to share in Christ's suffering. Like there's a million maybes that go against what is too often our first reaction. If I don't like my job, I need a new one. If it's difficult, I'm out. If it's not, you know, paying me the most, I'm done. If like just fill in the blank. That, that's not of the Spirit. So ask yourself, again, I started with it at the beginning, but how might your present work follow God in bringing order and beauty for the benefit of others? And I want you to take that away from here. I want you to think through that. And... Um, I do want you to, to perhaps feel a bit convicted if that's what the spirit is doing. It, like if you rack your brain and, and see none of that possible, like entertain the 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 potential that God may want you somewhere else. Um, but I, but I would challenge you, like just the any basic, I don't know who'd I have up here earlier? Uber drivers or construction workers? Like they're they're doing some very helpful things. And, and I guarantee you, there are professional ministers that aren't, or f- for whatever reason, no longer working for the Lord. And there's baristas that are, yeah. right? Like, how is your work bringing order, bringing goodness and beauty for the benefit of others? I'm going to wrap up here. But we have such opportunity in this life. This creation that is impacted by sin but is heading for redemption is still packed full of just this sort of inherent potential that God started with in the very beginning. And he wants to use us to continue bringing order and goodness specifically for the benefit of others. So let's do that together. We can talk about this more. I'm sure we will. Um, Work is a big deal, but I'm going to end it at that today. Let's pray. God, please do just convict us. Um, Spirit, show us how we can better serve you and whatever we are currently calling work. Um, do we need to do more or less work? Do we need to change work? Do we need to lean into a difficult situation? How can we benefit our coworkers and our bosses or our employees? How can we show them your goodness? How can we make the world around us a better place for your namesake, God? Please lead us in this. Help us. uh, But in all things, we, we just praise your holy name. It's in Jesus. Amen.